KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The cicadas are coming, a lot of them, very soon. This is like 17 years in the making. To fill in the gaps of what I'm talking about, a great conversation here with Dr. Christopher Tipping. He is a professor of biology at Delaware Valley University out in Doylestown. Really, this is a very cool conversation about what's about to happen. Check it out. For people that have only heard the name and maybe never seen one or anything, kind of just give me the primer. What's a cicada? Okay. Cicadas are a a rather unique group of insects that uh, they occur around here. I think most people are familiar with the cicada that we see every summer. It's a large green and black insect, and it lives as a, a, an immature. It feeds on the roots of trees. It feeds on the xylem tissue. And those green cicadas that we normally find around here are called the annual cicada, or sometimes you hear them called dog day cicada. And they take two or three years to develop, but they come off generally at the same time, you know, maybe uh, depending on the, on the temperature, you hear them in the trees, you know, late June, and everyone knows the sound. The males are, are very vocal, if, if I can use that term. But those cicadas are one type of cicada. There's many different types, and they all have the same kind of life history. So they live on the roots of trees. So they feed on the xylem tissue of of these roots. So when you think about the vascular system of a plant, you and I have veins and arteries, right? And that's how our vascular system works. Well, plants have a vascular system that is phloem and xylem. So phloem are tubes within the tree that transport sugary substances that are made by the leaves through photosynthesis. Things like aphids like to feed on that. But there are a small group of insects that feed on the xylem tissue, and cicadas are one of them. And the special thing about xylem is it's 99% water. There's not many nutrients in it. So they have to feed a lot, and it takes often a long time to develop, which is one of the reasons why we have these long spans of uh, development that we see in the broods that's getting all the press today. So what we're expecting now in the next probably four weeks, five weeks, again, depending on temperature, is something called brood X of a type of cicada that lives underground for 17 years. And throughout many parts of the, the northeast and the, the central parts of, um, you know, Maryland, west a little bit down south towards uh, Tennessee and, and part of the Appalachia there, there are different populations of these cicadas that are kind of synchronous to come off as adults at different times. There's some that come off in 13 years. There's some that come off in 17. And we call these individual populations broods. So the brood that's about to, to come off here is called brood X. And they have been underground for 17 years, these, these larvae, these nymphs, these immatures. And they're going to come off in, in very large numbers. And I can say that with a little bit of confidence because I live in the country uh, south of Quakertown. I live in Sellersville. And in my forested area, I have been looking around under rocks, logs, and I have found hundreds of them just waiting to come off. So they're here. You're not going to be able to miss them. 
And when they come off in, in the hundreds of thousands, it's going to be spectacular. It's going to make people upset because they, most people don't like big bugs. It kind of makes them feel a little bit unhappy. <laughs> so what's going to happen is these adults are going to come off in huge numbers. And the males sing. That's how they, they locate each other. That's how the males and females mate. In some situations, it could be deafening, depending on how many are in the trees. So they have this interesting strategy where they all come off at once by the hundreds of thousands. I'm not going to say millions, but it probably is millions. And when that happens, they have the, by, by having such a large number, they avoid all the predators that would normally like to eat them. So birds are primarily the, 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 the major predator of these guys. So what's going to happen if, if say, in my backyard there is um, 50,000 cicadas, a two-acre backyard, there's no way the birds are going to be able to eat them all. So by coming off en masse like that, they avoid predators. That's one of their survival strategies. And there's other organisms that do that, plants as well. But it's going to be uh, a, a pretty special event. And depending on where you live, you, you might see a few, you might not. If you live in an area where there have been trees for 17 years, maybe even longer than that, old growth forest, there's a good chance you're going to find cicadas and, and you're not going to be able to not hear them. How about that? They're going to be pretty loud. And I've read reports uh, a couple years ago where another brood had come off in parts of, I think it was Tennessee and people were calling and, and the police and saying, I, I keep hearing this science fiction sound in my forest. <laughs> Uh, it's a little bit uh, creepy, their call, actually. And when they're all together, it's it's a cacophony of, you know, cicadas. So the 17 years that this brood is underground, is that all just development? You mentioned that there weren't a lot of nutrients in the, basically, the water that they're, that they're feeding on. So that's a, that is just all development? That's a good question. There's definitely a genetic component to how long it takes for them to develop. But without a doubt, that nutritional value of xylem fluid is so low, that kind of, there's not much food in xylem. There's a little bit of amino acids, there's some organic acids, very little proteins, and a combination of really poor food source and selection pressure over the millennia. They have isolated themselves into these populations where they all come off at once in a big number they mate, they lay eggs, and then they die. And then those larvae, those nymphs go back into the soil and they live for 17 years again. So when you think about what's going to happen to the ecology of the area, think about the birds that like to eat them. So this year, it's a pretty good bet that most of the birds that do feed on these cicadas are going to have really great clutch sizes of their eggs. They're going to have lots of extra little kids, extra little birds. So the population of birds is going to be up next year, I think, depending, you know, there's, there's, they're going to be so well fed, there's going to be more birds for the species that feed on it. Now, that being said, two years from now, there's not going to be that kind of food resource. Bird numbers will probably go back down to some sort of equilibrium. Meanwhile, the cicadas are, are down in the soil feeding on tree roots 17 years or 10 years or 13, depending on what brood they are and where they live. Then they come off again. How will to the average person 
the cicadas that we see annually and the ones that are going to emerge in this brood, what are their differences in how they sound? Are they bigger, smaller? You know, if people hear this and are kind of interested in looking out for it, how can you tell the difference? That's a great question. So the annual cicada is uh, a little large, a little beefier to kind of a, looks like a sturdier version of a cicada and it's green and it's black and it has white highlights underneath of it. So these periodical cicadas that we're going to have, those are uh, red and black. You can't miss them. They have red eyes, but they're a little bit smaller. Some of them, especially the males might be only about half the size of the annual cicada that we get all the time. The calls are very different. I think uh, the call of the annual one is more of a kind of a staccato call that everyone hears cicadas. They know that call. The call of the the cicadas that we're going to hear in a few weeks is more of a, a longer, thinner sound, louder. You could go online and listen to recordings of those different species, and they're quite distinct. What should people have their radar up for? How could this brood affect every day, you know, if you're a homeowner, if you're a camper, you know, what you mentioned the the audio portion, the sound portion. Are there other things we should be on the lookout for? Well, what happens is after cicadas mate, the females tend to lay their eggs into small twigs on trees. So if you're in an area that has a high infestation of these and you have some young trees, you could suffer some damage from them because the females have a structure called an ovipositor that they use to actually saw into the wood and they lay their eggs into that. And then when those eggs hatch, the little ones fall out, drop into the soil and then begin their life cycle. So personally for me, I have a lot of uh, young blueberry bushes. So I'm going to probably cover them because, you know, blueberries have, have lots of twigs on them. And if what I've seen already in my yard, looking under logs and things, I'm going to have a pretty good infestation. And I, I don't want my blueberries to be trimmed by the, the damage of those females. So what will happen is if there's enough a population that is, is making those wounds in the twigs, those twigs can break off in a heavy wind or, or during a storm. Should people be overly concerned about it? I'm going to say no, but you should maybe keep an eye out for it. If you have especially young trees that are maybe expensive, some folks, you know, can pay two or $300 for certain species of trees that they'd like to put in their yard. And if they're smaller, they might want to think about perhaps covering them for a little bit or um, just keeping an eye out to see if the cicadas are actually laying eggs on. Will this be kind of the, the apex of cicadas, this brood? Is this kind of the biggest number we will see for 17 years? Are there other broods that come out every 10, 13 years that are bigger? Or where does this fall if we know that? That's a great question. Yes, there are different populations of cicadas that are isolated in time, but some of them overlap geographically. So in this area, this population uh, should be probably the the highest number that we're going to see. So, you know, it's kind of funny. I've lived all over America uh, pursuing my degrees and, and jobs. And I, I always seem to somehow move away from when a big cicada um, 
emergence was coming. So I'm kind of, I'm curious. I need to see it. So I, I used to live in Northern Delaware a long time ago. And 17 years ago, when this happened, I, I wasn't around and I heard my friends told me about it, but I, I didn't see it. So these populations, and you can go online and see all the maps, the different broods. Some of them are, are, are higher or have a larger geographic area. But probably the most important thing is that if you have a, an organism that takes 10 years to grow or 13 or 17, you have to have a stable environment, which means you have to have a, perhaps an old growth forest or an older growth forest. You know, in the middle of Philadelphia, should, should folks be seeing them? You could maybe within uh, Fairmount Park or, or some of the other places where there's old trees, there could be some, some numbers of them, but I think outside in the country, away from suburbia, where the trees of the forest have been intact for, you know, decades, we're, we're going to see a good number come off. And would that be like I'm in South Jersey, like all kind of throughout our Delaware Valley? I mean, obviously the circumstances of the area, but, you know, pretty much everyone, if you're in an area that's wooded and older trees, you got a shot at seeing them? You could, definitely. Absolutely. I, I have to look to see the exact demarcation on the map. Uh, I'm not so sure about what part of South Jersey you're living in. Um, some of the, I know some of the parts of that place have like the, the barrens mm-hmm. where they're uh, smaller pine trees and, and it's not really a good forest kind of soil. It's very sandy and acidic, which it's really cool actually. But, um, you know, I, I think hardwood forests are perhaps the most uh, attractive rather than conifers, but you know, I, I don't, I'm not really sure about that. That's, that's a good question. And I'm curious, for something that emerges, in this case, every 17 years, every 10 years, every 13 years, is there any concern that climate change could, like so many of the things with climate change, we kind of see slow change to the everyday. Maybe when change. You've got, yeah. When you've got something that only shows up once a decade or once every 17 years, could we see some change at a certain point with a brood where like, wow, like none of them made it or wow, it's three times as large as we thought, you know, anything like that? So when I think about cicadas in their life history and, and most insects, they have an intimate association with their plants. So as the plants go, so do the insects that feed on them. So if climate change or, or some environmental change occurs where the, their host plants are gone, they will be gone too. And most obvious one is development. Think about the sprawl of cities in suburbia. How many forests have you seen chopped down for, you know, a shopping mall or something? That, that's probably what drives their populations, the presence or absence, their host plants. So you mentioned a few weeks. Is there a, I don't mean like there's not a hard date where the cicadas punch the time clock and come out, but is there a date when you, if you really want to see this, or you're really interested, you should really kind of put the antenna up that when when we could start to see them? That's a, a hard question to answer, and it's based primarily on temperature and humidity. So one of the things I've, I've done is I've gone around looking under rocks, logs, and I've noticed that these cicadas have done something kind of interesting. Most of them have already dug a tunnel from deep underground where they lived all the way to the surface. Some of them were sitting at the top of that tunnel waiting. Some of them are down in that tunnel. If I tried to catch them, they kind of, they're not very agile. They kind of, they try to get away from you. But 
what that tells me is that they've dug these tunnels, which means they can all come off very synchronously. And is it a temperature? I'm pretty sure it's a temperature thing. And there's, there's a term called degree days. It's a developmental thing. And it also relates to plants. So organisms develop depending on temperature, especially things like that are cold blood, like insects and, and plants, are, you know, the amount of warmth dictates how quickly they develop. But the interesting thing to me is that they're all ready to go. They're just waiting for the temperature where they all will develop fairly evenly and then they can come off at once and, and do what they do. And how long will that be? How long once they come up? Is this a matter? Is the cycle a few weeks, a few months? Is it until we get a frost? What's the normal time frame? Yeah, that's a, a good question, too. You got lots of good questions, man. Do what I can. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, when you think about micro environments, say I have a hill on my property that faces the south. It's warmer. The soil is warmer. I would say that some of those guys might come off a little bit earlier than some that are maybe in a shadowy area or under or next to boulders in my backyard where it's not so warm. So there, there's going to be some variation when they do all emerge. But from what I understand, they will be, they emerge, they mate, then they, they go to heaven. They, uh, they, they die and the immatures will remain. If the temperature is hot and dry or very warm and dry, I would say they wouldn't be here for more than a month. If temperatures are cool and humid, they could live maybe a little bit longer. But, you know, as adults, they only have one mission, and that's to, you know, make more copies. So they're going to mate, the females are going to lay the eggs, and then they're going to die. And my final question, and it's a question I probably don't have to ask based on the fascinating conversation you get. From a professional standpoint, how exciting are you? I shouldn't even say from a professional standpoint, but from someone who studies this, how excited are you for what's about to happen? I, 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 once I discovered these guys doing what they were doing last week, I'm really curious as to see. And what I would like to do is to somehow, and I, I wish I had time to do it, I'd like to develop some sort of indices of sampling where I could go and look under a certain number of, of logs or rocks and see how many cicadas are getting ready to emerge and then have maybe some sort of predictive model as to how many are going to be in your area. It's just a, a curiosity that I kind of stumbled upon. I'm sure other scientists have noted this in the past, uh, but I, I was I was awestruck when I picked up a piece of plywood and saw 15 of them just waiting right at the entrance of these little holes that they had made. So I put the plywood back down, came back the next day. Some of them had blocked the holes up with a little bit of mud. So they, they still want to come out of the hole, but they were like, you know, they're hiding under there. If there was a way for, for homeowners to, to maybe look in their properties and look around and see if, if they don't find any, they might not have a big number. Now, that being said, the adults are pretty strong flyers. There's no reason they couldn't fly several miles in one direction or the other. But I'm pretty sure they're going to kind of come off within a local area, you know, maybe I, I, I'd hate to make a guess, but I'll just say maybe half a mile. And they'll meet. And then those, um, the, the progeny will then go back into the soil for another 17 years. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. 
You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.